Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. Here at the Loft, our mission is reconciliation. We truly hope this podcast draws you into a new sense of belonging within the loving arms of Jesus Christ. Let's get started. You know, the fear of the Lord is a respect that's holy, that's reverent, that says, man, God could wipe me off this planet if he wanted to, but he doesn't. He has grace that keeps me sustained and just keeps me in check, and I'm really thankful for that, you know. The fear of the Lord is something that causes us to humble ourselves and to obey him and honor him, even when we don't want to, because we understand we're made of flesh. Do you understand that God created you from the earth, and then he breathed breath into your body? This is how life became and how man began to exist. And so here we are walking about the planet like, like we're everything, like we're in charge, like we're God, like we make all the decisions. And I feel like there's just such a leveling coming, and it's even happening now by speakers and people that are starting to talk about the end of things and how do we conclude this life as a Christian and how does a bride become a bride and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's not going to happen if we keep stamping our feet and demanding our way. It happens when we yield ourselves and we get low before God and we let God minister to us and remind us who we are and whose we are, right? So we pulled that from David's life and we used the story where he didn't want to cut Saul's robe, let alone kill him. Saul was the king that preceded David. And we love that story. You know, we've talked about, you know, killing giants is probably the next message here. And, you know, we begin the Christmas season talking about these kinds of things. I think they matter. You know, what, what caused Jesus to come? What was in the earth that, that Jesus, you know, that Jesus came as the Messiah? Look around about you and, and measure the contents of your culture and see what it looks like. Measure that against the word of God and get yourself in such a place that the word of God becomes your armor. It becomes your instruction for life. If you do that, you don't, it's not so hard. You don't have to make decisions over and over again because you had the fear of the Lord come on your life and you yielded yourself to what his word is saying and what his instruction is, and then you belong to him, right? I mean, that's called being a Christian. Anything less than that is not being a Christian. If, if you don't live according to and following the, the words of God, and if you don't live in repentance and just like the forgiveness and grace of God, you're probably not a Christian. But you know, you could be. <laughs> you could be. And I mean, many people go to church years and years and years and never heard a gospel like that. You know, the gospel isn't about saying one prayer one time and believing that Jesus died on the cross and, and shed his blood for all of humanity and then went in the tomb and was raised again. That's the story of the resurrection in the gospel. But the gospel of salvation is living it every day, bought with a price belonging to him. If I buy something, it's mine. Jesus bought me with blood. There's nothing more expensive than blood. And that's, that's the value of you. You are the value of Jesus Christ's blood. Let that sit on you for a moment. So I believe God calls us to different things at different times. I believe God puts a vision on every single one of us. Today I wanted to talk a little bit about the armor bearer spirit and what I think that means and what I believe the Bible teaches us about it. And it's kind of a it's kind of an easy message if you have been walking with God for a long time. But the message also is pointed at people who have been walking with God for a long time because we're the ones that carry any seasoning and any flavor of the word and have any knowledge of what the word says. 
And so an armor bearer spirit is like, a long time ago when I would talk about this or hear anything about it, I had like this little twitch. I'd be like, uh, okay. just because I had some really bad teaching in my life about it, which I'm going to share some of that with you today. You're so blessed. And so I've had really bad teaching on that, and then I've had really good teaching on that. And I've been an armor bearer, so I know what being a good armor bearer is, and I've had good armor bearers. And I'm surrounded by people right now that I see with an armor bearer spirit. Some have developed it, and some haven't. But I also, I also can see, like, I, like, there are times in your life when you're just tracking along doing the Christian thing. Go to church, go to work, you witness when you can, you give, you'll be part of the kingdom, you show up for events, it's kind of cool. You set up a Christmas tree, by the way, that looks amazing. Thank you, ladies, um, for decorating this morning. And gentlemen, because only Steve can reach the top with the star, and so thank you. But, you know, you do things like that, like, on the regular, but then there's seasons of time when God speaks something special to you, for you to do, for a season. And so for us, we started, you know, ladies um, of the loft opened up the church to other churches, and we have women of influence here on second and fourth Wednesdays. And I can feel the potential in that room. I can feel the momentum in the women. I can feel people connecting when they're sitting around tables together. The men have started um, collecting here this year, collecting, gathering this year in this room, faithfully, consistently ministering to people that don't go to church here even, that will come and sit and listen to wisdom. This is the kind of stuff like, like those things are seasons. There are seasons where, we're do, where we do this. There's seasons where we do that. There's seasons to be on the mission field. There's seasons to be home. And today, I feel like some of the traits that we're pulling from the life of David, today's message is about gaining the spirit of an armor bearer, okay? Let's pray. God, we ask you to open this word to our heart this morning. We ask you to help us to lay down any kind of defense mechanisms or any kind of um, offense that might want to come. And we ask for you to speak life to us that would be valuable, that we might understand whose we are in such a time as this and what you are trying to do in your people. Father, let my tongue be like that pen of the ready writer to say the right words, that it might penetrate hearts, it might speak life in Jesus' name. So David had an armor bearer. It was, it was Jonathan. And the Bible doesn't say it exactly like that, but it says it like this in 1 Samuel that David came to Saul and started working at the, at the palace. Remember, before that, he was at the sheepfold in the palace, the sheepfold in the palace, taking care of sheep, doing what he had to do, but his heart was really toward this ministry of becoming the king, and he knew that was his future. And so he enters Saul's service, and Saul liked him very much, and David became one of Saul's armor bearers. Okay, let me just describe to you what an armor bearer is before I get into Jonathan's heart for David. So an armor bearer is the person who on the battlefield, you know, these people are, are, are vigorous warriors, vigorous, okay? They're, they're head to toe in armor. They have spears, javelins, shields, swords, knives. They're loaded with weaponry, and they have a big giant shield in front of them, and they have a second person who's their armor, or, or two or three or four armor bearers that carry another shield, maybe two, maybe each armor bearer carrying two, and, and loaded with extra weapons, loaded with extra prowess of how to, how to navigate around the battlefield. And they follow the king in battle, or whoever, in this case, it's the king because Saul and David. And so they have a, a second shield and a second sword staying really close to the king, but you know what they're doing the whole time? The king is forging, he's moving forward, he's on battle, he's taking ground, he's on mission, and the armor bearer is right next to him, 
with a second shield looking in every direction and getting the king's back, making sure that no one can get up to the king in any direction. And he's close enough to the king, he never goes off mission. He's right here, can see things coming, he can put an extra shield up. He can, he can get somebody behind. Nobody is going to get to the king unless they get through the armor bearer first. And when I'm talking about this physically, I mean it spiritually, okay? The kingdom of God right now, it is essential that armor bearers recognize the calling and the gift of God. I see you guys over there. I see you. Shields up. You know, there's a time to put a shield up and to protect, okay? So that's what the guy does. There could be two or three or four, however many armor bearers you have. So when the king throws his spear, guess what? Armor bearer has another one and another one and another one. And the more armor bearers you have, the more spears you have to throw. And then you can pick them up again on, ba- on the battlefield. This is a guy that we never see in all, the, in all the movies. It's always just one hero all out there by himself, you know? But that's not the case. These guys existed and they, they're powerful. They're, they're important to the mission. So Jonathan, Saul's son, meets David. You know, they become friends immediately. They have an immediate bond. The Bible says there was an immediate bond of love between them when they met in 1 Samuel. And the most um, credible things that Jonathan is known for is just his loyalty to King David and being his friend and a brother even. And it's not an obvious friendship, you guys, because Jonathan is supposed to be what? The king. The king. He's the king's son. He's in line to be the next king. But you know what he did? He saw it on David. And so everybody can't do this. Hardly anybody that I meet is able to do this, to say, oh, man, that, that's a role that I'm set up for, and I should be stepping into that next. But I can see God's hand is on you to do that. Let me carve a path for you to do that, and then let me shield you for a sec. You know, let, let me get behind you. I see God's hand on you. I see the writing on the wall. It's obvious what you're going to do. And then Jonathan gets up next to David and becomes acquainted with David's victories. He knows the strategies. He's right next to him, helping him move, helping him go in every direction that he wants to go. He sees it com- completely, even so much so that he would defy his own father. He would go to his own father and have questions. Dad, no, we can't. Are you for David? Because I see God's hand on him. And you know, good and well, Saul saw that too. But he wouldn't step aside. He wanted his son to inherit the role, the the power, the command of the king, the the wealth, the prestige. Jonathan was like, not going to happen. I can see it already. And he made pledges to David like that. David, you know... David even received gifts from Jonathan. Here's what they were. It's all from 1 Samuel. He gives him kingly gifts. Jonathan gives David his own robe, a tunic. These are clothes. His own sword, his own bow, and his belt. And Jonathan made a special vow to be David's friend. He could see it. There's just something about it. It's, can you feel it even when we talk about it? Just the loyalty and the dedication and just the faithfulness to walk alongside someone? It's very powerful. How many shields do we carry? Spiritually. How many shields can you carry? The older you are, the humbler you are, the more you can carry. And they're, they're, they protect from the enemy. And believe me, the enemy is where? Moving around the planet like a roaring lion, like one. It's not one. Seeking whom he may devour. And that would be us. He, he has a plan. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. 
to bring offense, to bring the roots of bitterness and bait. So Jonathan is one of my little heroes. Okay, now, when Scott and I were, you know, coming up in church, I mean, we loved it so much because we were just heavy metal lovers and, you know, Scott was more of a druggie than I was. I was just like a casual partier. Sorry, baby, where? And just direct his truck every other week and just, you know, couldn't, couldn't figure uh-huh. out life. But we were in our 20s. I mean, we were young. It was the 80s. It was the best music and, you know, the, the best, safest drugs at the time. I mean, we had a lot of coping mechanisms. And so when we got saved, it was so radical. It was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Who? What? You know, Jesus loves me, and this I know. And now I can lay all that down, and he can sustain me in a life-giving manner and in a presence of God that would come on me that would restore my dignity and put hope on the inside of me. Me, a waif of a girl that gave my body in many, many situations. Jesus would come and wipe all that clean. Not even clean, just new. And, and I, when we found him, it was very powerful. It was in a charismatic church, and we loved it. We loved the church. We loved the vision of the church. We loved the mission. We loved just the way that it felt so inviting when you walked in the door. I feel that when I come in here, you know, so much love and just greeting and, and hospitality and friendship, you know, and donuts. I mean, it's just like there's something about it that embraces you, and that happened to us back then. And so we readily gave ourselves into it. And, you know, we didn't realize anything about controlling spirits or any, we didn't know that what that was. We couldn't have recognized that. You know, so we went through a time where we were just hungry to be part of something. And so we're in this church and constantly growing. And, and we had so many demons cast out of us and so many life-giving experiences, got filled with the Holy Spirit. We started going to small groups. We started leading small groups. We started telling our testimony, and people would get saved. I mean, it was just, like, amazing, the domino effect and how good it was to be, to be part of that. And so eventually, I mean, we're, we were there for 15 or 16 years at, at this church, and so there was a part of time where we were invited to come on the staff. This is the place where our children complained that they were at church three days a week, that they fell asleep on church pews and under church pews. Okay, five days a week. I don't know. I mean, they went to school there, and then they have church there. And, I'm, and I just wanted to say to my children this morning, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. And so all, all of those things, you know, but what happened along the way, when we, when we were invited to come onto the staff as, as pastors, you know, ordained there, and someone saw the, the gift of God on our lives to lead, and so we come into the building and into the, the staff team, and this was spoken to us. Um, it was, you need to, from this day forward, understand that you don't have vision anymore. Your vision will become the vision of the house. How do you feel about that? And we're like, awesome. We stupidly, we're like, awesome. Of course, our, we love the vision of the house. We're definitely going to be under it. Of course we will. And we didn't ever look back. You know why? Because we did have the same vision as the house, and it was loving God and loving people in any way that that looked. And we loved small group ministry, and we followed that Book of Acts um, model for meeting in the temple and going house to house and breaking bread together. I mean, it was just, it was, everything was amazing. And I think God gives you a lot of favor in the first couple decades of your Christianity to grow and just mess up and stumble and, and be part of things that aren't perfect. And, you know, and, and you just see it like through rose-colored glasses, and it's, it's awesome. Then there comes a, a season where God starts to 
give you a dream. You've been around God for a while, and this was our situation too. We start to have another dream or another vision, or we start to see something outside of that. And I believe God gives that to us. And I just want to say, if anyone ever tells you you shouldn't dream and you shouldn't have a vision, that's wrong. That is not Bible. That is not God's heart for you. That's not my wish. Man, I've got, I have a lot of vision in this place, but I want God to speak to you about what you might do. And I can tell you how it looks. When you're, now you don't just come into a church and go try to take something over. You know, we've, that's easy to do in here. We've had people come in here and try to stand up and, you know, tell us how it's going to be. And we help them out, you know, outside so they can understand that God is in control here and the Holy Spirit will move in order and we don't know you. So I am going to guard everyone in here from an outside voice that I don't know because I know my shepherd's voice and I'm your shepherd in, in a sense and I'm going to make sure that no one steps past me to get to you. They would have to come through me to get to you. Do you understand that? That's healthy. That's a good um, disposition to have. But I'm never going to tell you not to dream, ever. I want you to dream. I want you to dream dreams. I want you to have visions, and I want you to execute them. And so how it goes when it's in a healthy situation, someone will come along, and they'll say, man, I love this church. I'm with you. I'm, I want to be here. I want to be in, in partnership with this thing. I love what God is doing. I can see, you know, we just keep doing the right thing. It's impossible to keep doing the right thing and get a wrong result. God builds faithfulness along the road, and God is building all the time what, what we do here. So you get an idea of what you want to see, and I can use Christine and Angie for an example of this, and Angie's with her family today, and we love her, but Angie and Christine have this heart. Anything that you see on the food distribution and helping you know, the poor people that just need a hand or, or even just to be kind and give food to people that just, is this food for anybody? Absolutely. You want some food? Here you go. And that is their heart. They've done a lot more than just this food distribution. They'll go home. There'll be times, Christine, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I just want to use this for an example because you are an armor bearer in the house for the house. And you have vision out beyond that that says, man, I think today I'm just going to go, you know, buy 20 loaves of bread and a couple things of peanut butter and jelly. I'm going to make sandwiches. I'm going to drive down and hand them out to the homeless. That's on her free time, when she, what she does. And it's, she's, she's really close to like sainthood, and I admire it so much. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, okay, Christine, that's really, that's really not the vision of the church, you know. See how it goes, Wah. Yeah. Of course you're not going to say that. I'm going to go, God, girl, good job. Yeah. Well done. Good and faithful servant. How can I help you? Hey, I know. Maybe we could do something on the parking lot. Maybe we could have people drive through and we could just pray over them when they come through because they're going to see us. They're going to look in our eyes. Maybe we could do that. That's a vision that comes from Christine and Angie's heart, okay? And so a good leader is going to go, let's make a place for that. That fits. So Christine and Angie don't say, well, let's just, let's, let's just have this whole thing be a, a refuge and everybody just live in this, in this house and make this just like a, you know, a halfway house or let's have clothes in the basement. And no, they don't say any of that. You know why? Because you have to support the vision of the main house because every work flows out of here. If you don't have an armor bearer spirit for the main house, you're never going to be able to accomplish one of your own missions outside. Well, you could, but it'll be messy and it'll look like this. So back to the old church where Scott and I were, people would come in there and they, this is a big church. So people can come and go and hide and, you know, hide from, like, I can, I can see everything that happens in here on a Sunday. But when we were going to big churches and on staff at large ones, I couldn't see everything. And none of us could. We had eight pastors on staff at one time. 
and you, you can't see everything that's going on. So there'd be people come rolling in there with a little entourage of other people. And they would come in and say their name is Apostle so-and-so, you know. <laughs> and I came in here, like, why are you laughing? They really believe it. They'll come in, and maybe it's true. I don't know. But Apostle so-and-so needs to find Apostle so-and-so's house and go preach in it and not come in here and try to take people or take away from the vision that God is building here because it's not, that's not God either. God doesn't want us to come in and try, you know, you don't use the church as a stepping stone. You don't just use somebody's hospitality and grace. You don't take everything they have to offer and give nothing in return because it matters what you think and what you need. That's rude, dude. You know, and you know what? God will get you on that and he will teach you. People that are green do that. People that don't have any sense of humility yet will do that. That haven't learned how to walk through places and be a giver. When your hand is open and you're a giver, man, your life is just filled all the time because God knows you're going to put it back out. So he fills it up again. And you, you try. I try. Man, you try to clean. I try to clean out my closet. I give away so many clothes. And the more clothes I give away, the more clothes I have. You know, the more stuff I, I try to live with an open hand, the more things that come to me. The more blessing I try to give, the more blessed I am. I can hardly contain it. I think I read that somewhere. Sorry. Oh, Rick, I messed up my new thing. I read that somewhere about having more than I can contain. So anyway, you guys get what I'm saying. It's like there's a spirit that's good that says, I will protect and I will defend whatever's going on there. And I'm happy to do it. And in the same, um, in that same person, in that same body, then God will put vision and mission in them. Okay? Okay? I said, when you're quiet, you're learning and filling. So I like that. So there was a, a place where the loudest voice in that church that we were at that said, oh, man, I, I love being, you know, second in command. I'm, I'm, a, I'm called to be on this tier. I'm an armor bearer to the pastor. And you will be, too, because you're on my team now. You don't have a vision of your own. You're going to come in here, and we're going to serve this vision. We're going to make it great. And we're like, okay, we're doing it. We're, we're coming along track with you. The loudest voice years later, would stage a coup of epic proportion right in front of the church and defy the pastor and take half, not half, but a third, half, a lot of people with them saying, you're not fit. We have a different way of doing things. Our ministry is different. And, and I get it, man. I mean, if, and it would be different, you know, if the pastor was totally in sin or totally wrong or Whatever, but even then, go build your own thing over there, man, without all that stuff associated with it. That was the loudest voice for armor bearer would be the loudest voice of division later. You know why? Because God calls you. There's a, there's a saying, if you build God's house, he'll build yours. Totally agree with that statement, okay? If you build God's house, he'll build yours. You, you put some kind of seed offering in, you're going to find money coming on around. There's story and testimony after testimony about that kind of stuff. But building someone else's vision, is that going to build the vision God gave you? No. You can serve alongside of people, but if God puts something in your heart to do, you got to do it. One day, do something toward it every day until you see it begin to take shape until you see it begin to manifest. You know, one thing at a time, one little bit at a time, investing in what you believe that God's calling you to do. So let's talk a little bit about Jonathan. 
one more thing about this, uh, that other pastor, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't talked about this stuff in 20 years, maybe more. And I don't, and I'm not going to say who they were. It doesn't matter. It was a fake armor bearer, or it was one that had good intention at one time that messed it up really royally later. And I believe there's room for forgiveness, no matter who you are and whatever you've done. But there's some kind of mentality that goes alongside of this. And maybe you've seen this if you've been around here long enough, but you know, that, that person, of course, they leave, they leave the church and they went to work for a ministry and they actually would believe that they're promoted and they would say that. And in my heart, I just think, man, God, you know, and you know, the, the, the condition of people's hearts, you know, but we know what they did. We saw it. We lived it right, right next to it, you know, and I just believe that God will raise up who he will raise up because the pastor that was originally there gave the church to his son, and it's doing well. You know, it's still going. There was some hurt and some injury along the way. So I tell you that because I know that all of us have church hurt. We have hurt and injury along the way. How do you expect me to be an armor bearer, Lisa, in this day and age when the church is so crooked and mean and corrupt and in small attendance and people don't care and 10% and of people do 90% of the work? They also give 90% of the giving. And we're thankful for that, but we can't do anything else. We have to wear the coat our father gave us and do what God's called us to do, right? So Jonathan is armor bearer, and Jonathan knew how to be a good armor bearer because he had one. And that's what I want to read us today. So you guys can stand up for the word. It's Old Testament word. We're going to read it. This is about the time you get tired. So if you have babies, you don't have to get up. You're fine. But lean in, and I'll read this to us. This is the seventh inning stretch right here, guys. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, this is a time when they're all at war, Israel and the Philistines always. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan didn't tell his father what he was doing. Skip down to the end of verse three. It says, no one realized that Jonathan had left the Israeli camp. So to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sena, and the cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. So let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And the armor bearer's reply is everything. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. And if they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on and fight, then we'll go up. And, we'll, and that will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. And when the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. And then the men on the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. The armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered on about half an acre. You can have a seat. What a beautiful text for a Sunday morning. It is a good text. The spirit of the armor bearer is vast. I just wanted to unpack this a little bit. So Jonathan gets a bright idea, right? Hey, I know. Now, I don't know how physically fit all of you are, but 
If I have to walk down between two mountains and back up the other side and use my hands and feet to climb, that is the workout. And so that is their journey to get to the battle. I, I just, I can't even fathom being that fit. I'm thinking of the guys in the movie 300, you know. I mean, you're going to have to spray paint that on me because that is just not what's going to happen. But, but they're so fit and they're so vigorous and they can just keep going, you know, in, in this situation. And I'm thinking if I'm his armor bearer and he says, I know, let's me and you, just me and you, let's go up there and take over that little camp of those pagan Philistines. I'm like, no, dude. There's 20 of them. Are you kidding me? You know, and plus I can only go, I can probably make it to the place, but that's about all I got. And so, but Jonathan's armor bearer isn't like that. He says, do what you think is best. And you know what that takes? It takes faith in God, that God is going to do what he is speaking to the leader, that God is going to make it come to pass and you get enough vision to come alongside what he's trying to say and get in it with them. And so they're climbing up this hill, and then Jonathan has another thing. This is the kind of stuff that just, I love this kind of stuff. Stuff right here gets me going. He says, if they say to us, don't come up here, well, we'll stop. We'll just go back. We'll, we'll retreat. But if they say, come up here, we'll know that's a sign from God. Now, if somebody's in your face saying, come up here, Let's fight. I'm going to teach you a lesson. To me, it makes me think I should go home and maybe not have that encounter, but not him. He's like, he gets like jazzed about it. It's like when David kills Goliath and he's at the battlefield and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Goliath is huge. He's massive. Many of us are carrying like giant things in our lives still. And we think I can't get, I can't get beyond this. I don't know how to slay this giant. The thing about that is you don't have to because Jesus will do it. Your part is going to be to go ahead and raise up your sling and stone and hurl it. And the rest is up to God, trusting that God will bring you all the way through what he's called you to do, that we are meant to take down giants. We're meant to be warriors. We're meant to be armor bearers next to each other, okay? When Jonathan's saying that to his armor bearer, hey, I know if they say this, they say, come up, we're going to do it. And when he says it, he gets jacked, man. He's like, okay, let's go. Let's get it. We have to start to lean our ear into a place where we believe that God is calling us according to his purpose, that God wants us to defeat, okay? Around this place, I'm going to end with this thought, which is kind of a cool one. Can you put up that picture of the pharynx or phalanx? I'm not sure how you say it. This right here is kind of how we do it around here. How do you say it? Oh, there's no photos? Oh, man, shoot. I'm going to send it to you really quick. <laughs> um, it's just a picture of, like, if every person has a sword and every person has a shield in this room and we start to face opposition, which we do, and we will, especially in the days of head, God has plans for us. You know, God has things for us to do. And so what it's going to take is every single person, if you could just put your hand like you have a sword or a shield on your arm and put your hand like you have a sword and that's you and you're holding your, seal, your shield and your sword. And if arrows start to fly in here, a lot of arrows, and we just stand here with our own sword and our own, our own shield, we are not going to be able to defeat. So what we do is we get in this formation where we all get together 
and all of our shields come together, and then all those arrows just hit everybody's shield. It's called a pharynx or a phalanx. I can't remember. What's it? Do you know what it's called? What is it? Phalanx. phalanx. Okay, and you put it up, and all the arrows will hit that together. And then you know what you do? Break them. You break them off with your sword, and you go ahead and fight. And the way we think around here is that there's a time, I'm part of that. I'm part of that with that covering right next to you. And there's a time for me to get your back and there's a time for you to get mine. Do you understand that? That's what an armor bearer spirit is. Now I just only have one question and we'll be about done. Do you want it? Everybody doesn't. That's why I'm asking. And I'll tell you this, the smallest, tiniest little woman over here, my mom, could be one of the most powerful armor bearers in the room because prayer is the weapon and worship is the weapon and loyalty. Those things are immeasurable, innumerable. Can you stand up with me, please? I'm going to pray over us that, that the Lord God would send a spirit of armor bearer, and that anybody who wants it would posture themselves to receive it. I mean, this is how I do it. You do what you want. You don't even have to do anything. God can come right into your heart and place. But this is about a renewed mind where we begin to say, I see a vision here. I see a mission. I want to be on it. I want to be part of it. God is building something within us, you guys. And we can't shrink back. We say, shields up, and they go up, and we protect, and we defend. Babe, would you come up here and pray with me? There's something about the spirit of an armor bearer. And there's so many times when this man right here will bring vision and mission. And there's so many times when he'll protect and guard. And then there's times when we have to just flat out attack. And so we're just going to pray. We're going to pray over you guys. Shield and sword and vision in Jesus' name. You want me to pray or you want to pray? You sure? Okay. Yeah, I got the only mic. You'd have to get real close, but we could do that later. So, God, thank you so much, God. Thank you for your spirit in this place. Thank you that you call us to have a fear of the Lord on our lives. You call us to humility, God. We serve humbly. We're grateful that you would even be mindful of us to be part of what you're doing, God. We surrender ourselves to you, God. We ask you, give us the spirit of an armor bearer that's healthy, that can see when we need to get the back of someone right next to us who's serving and who's full of mission and vision. And God, I pray that every armor bearer would have a vision and mission of their own to accomplish and that we would get alongside and build it, God. God, thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper, but we know weapons are, are formed, but they don't prosper, not here. Father, we thank you for your covering. We thank you for your spirit in us. And we ask you, let us walk like Jonathan did. Let us walk like Jonathan's armor bearer and get right up under your mission and vision and help us not to forsake it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. You little armor bearers, you. Thanks for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. You can learn more about the Loft Gathering by visiting loftgathering.com or by joining us for Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. Till next time, be blessed.